Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. So good to be here on this Life After Death Sunday worshiping our Lord. And I invite you to turn near the very end of your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. Last Sunday on Easter, we celebrated Jesus' triumph over sin and death. And today we conclude our sermon series, The Cross, by celebrating the hope it brings that the best truly is yet to come. And before we look to God's word this morning, let's turn to him and ask him to lead us in our understanding of it. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, we have come once again this morning to worship you, to learn from you, to sit at your feet, for we need your instruction. We need your words of encouragement and hope to be your faithful people in this world. And Lord, thank you that you delight even more than we need in sharing this with us. And so we pray once again, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, Minds that would be receptive and hearts that would be responsive. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. There was a young pastor who was just a few weeks into his first position in a small church when he received a phone call one morning from a funeral home asking if he could make a last minute graveside offering for an individual. The pastor nervously agreed and and dashed out the door to this brand new cemetery somewhere out in the countryside and he quickly became lost. And he was driving this way and that way, frantically trying to get there on time. The only people who would be there were himself and the funeral director. But it was a half an hour late by the time he finally saw the freshly opened grave. In fact, he was so late, the funeral director was already gone. The grave had been filled in and the two workers were seated over on the side eating their lunch. Feeling guilty about uh, how late he had been on behalf of this deceased person, this young pastor jumped out of his car and uh, walked up to the now-filled grave, and he began to pull out of Scripture every passage he could think about the resurrection, trying to do justice to this individual's life. And when he had finished 30 minutes later, he felt good about what he had offered, and he turned and nodded appreciatively to the workers and headed back to his car. And as he did, he heard one worker say to the other, I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years, and I've never seen that. 
Well, it did seem helpful to begin today with humor because talking about death is always such a serious matter. And on this Life After Death Sunday, I invite us to consider three facts. Fact number one, none of us will avoid death. Now that's not a pleasant thought, but it's a true one. No matter how young you are, how fit you are, how wealthy you are, death will come at some point for every one of us. We may delay it for a bit by caring for our bodies, but death is inevitable for each of us. Fact number two, most of us give little thought to fact number one. It's true, isn't it? And it's understandable because this life in this world is, is all we know. And so our inclination is to ignore any thought of it coming to an end. I think of the individual who who tried to be funny about it. He said, my goal is to live forever. So far, so good. (laughs) And you know, that approach works until it doesn't. In his significant study on Western attitudes towards death, Philippe Ares made this observation Everything goes on as if neither I nor those who are dear to me are any longer mortal. Technically, we admit that we might die. We take out insurance, but really at heart, we feel we are non-mortals. And so we don't like to think about death. We don't like to talk about death. And some of you may be sitting here this morning thinking right now, why did I come on this Sunday? But friends, this focus is so important because of our final fact. And that is that all of us can experience life after death. We have affirmed this truth for nearly 50 years, the Sunday after Easter, still in the shadow of the cross and Christ's resurrection power. Perhaps it would feel easier to avoid any focus on death. But then we miss a significant part of our story that's still ahead. Do you remember two years ago when we experienced a solar eclipse? And there were many people who wanted to be able to see it, but of course the only way you could look at the sun and and dare to be able to see it was with these stylish, fashionable uh, solar glasses. And what these glasses did was, in fact, I just realized this morning I had a pair myself And I can see absolutely nothing. (laughs) But what these glasses did was they enabled people to look directly at the sun. Friends, we can look directly at death. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and his subsequent resurrection. And as we do, we are reminded anew of the life that awaits us even beyond death. Paul Johnson notes 
about this, that without God, death is horrific. With God, death is still fearsome, but it can be seen to have a meaning and purpose and a hope. The great strength of Christianity has always been that it brings men and women to terms with death in a way which offers them comfort and an explanation. And so with this in mind, let's look at today's passage. And though it's only three verses, they are packed with reminders of the hope that we have through the cross and through Jesus' resurrection. Peter begins this text by praising God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord is worthy of our praise simply for who he is, apart from anything he may do. But that said, Peter goes on to describe much that God has done for us. And all of the blessings that follow are grounded in Peter's next words. In his great mercy. All that God does for us is prompted by his mercy. It has nothing to do with what we bring into the relationship. And so in his great mercy, Jesus entered this world, taking upon himself our frail form. In his great mercy, Christ submitted to the worst we could do to him, willingly giving his life on the cross for ours. And in his great mercy, God has secured for us a future that death is powerless to end. As a result of God's mercy, Peter writes, he has given us new birth. And these words bring to mind Jesus' description of being born again. In fact, earlier in this series, Tim reminded us that when we give Christ our lives, we become a new creation. And when that happens, our days have greater meaning. Our lives have deeper value. And there is one who loves us for who we are, not for who we should be. And we experience this newness of life right here, right now. And that's good news. But there's more in this passage. For Peter goes on to say, in God's great mercy, he has also given us a living hope. Hope is incredibly important to us all. It's like the proverbial carrot out in front that keeps us moving forward. And when we have little hope of what lies ahead, something can die within us. Peter makes an important distinction here that we actually have a living hope. It's hope that remains alive regardless of what may be swirling around us, even death. Peter is saying it cannot be dampened. It cannot be threatened by circumstances that change or crash in upon us. Nothing can diminish this hope 
or cause the light that it offers us to flicker. And Peter makes this even more clear in the next verse, but before going there, he reminds us how and why we have this hope. He writes, we have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It was Jesus' submission to the cross's terrible work for our sins that positioned him to then triumph over death. Up until that moment in history, death had always won. When it took a person, their life was done. But Jesus, rising from the dead, proclaimed to the world that he had broken death's power to have that last word. And because of what Christ has done for us on the cross and from the grave, we have hope in what he will yet do for us. All of this is wonderful news, but Peter is still not done yet. He continues by telling us of our inheritance He says, we have an inheritance that's been given to us. Some of you perhaps have received an inheritance from a family member who worked to provide something that was then passed on to you. Friends, that is exactly what Jesus has done for us. Through his work on the cross, through his resurrection power, he has given us an inheritance of life beyond death. And Peter assures us in this passage that this inheritance can never perish, spoil, or fade. Death cannot reduce it. Evil cannot diminish it. Time cannot dilute it. God has a wonderful life in store on the other side of death for all who are in personal relationship with him. And he will hold this in place for us until the day this life ends and we are ready for our inheritance. And then Peter concludes this section with one more assurance. He says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. There will be a decisive moment one day when God will save, when he will heal his, and restore his creation. And we're given a glimpse of this almost at the very end of the Bible. In Revelation 21, when we read, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. A little over 10 years ago, our family took a big vacation on the East Coast. 
And one of our highlights when we were in New York City was going to the Broadway musical Lion King. I remember waiting, sitting there for the curtain to open and to reveal what the show experience would be. And I have to tell you, I can also remember how amazed I was when it did. And I experienced all of the beautiful creativity and color of that show. In fact, I can still remember for the first moment, for the first minute or two, my jaw had just dropped. I was just trying to take all of it in. Friends, something like that will happen for us. When we finally learn what God has for us on the other side of the curtain of death, And though we also must wait for that day, I believe there are some things that we can look forward to. First, it will be good. And I use that word in capital letters because with Jesus, we will experience good on a whole new level. If we could somehow capture those moments in our lives that have given us the greatest joy, the greatest delight, I have to believe that they will pale in comparison to the good that we will experience for all of eternity. For one thing, we will finally get to experience all of the best that God originally intended for his creation. John Ortberg writes, the promise of the Bible is that resurrection will come and God's creation will be made glorious. And we will get to experience that creation. But that's not all. We will also get to experience the best that God originally intended for each of us when he gave us life. One of our service branches has used the slogan, be all that you can be. But here in this world, we will always be a bit less than we could be in our character, in our habits, in our abilities, in our reactions to what happens. But that changes on the other side of death. And we will finally be all that we have been created to be. It will be good. Second, we won't be bored. You know, I I think about Mark Twain's book, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. And uh, in this book, he has Huck Finn uh, saying at one point in the story, uh, the widow Douglas told me all about the bad place. She said she was going to live so as to go to the good place. She said all a body would have to do there was to go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever. Well... I couldn't see no advantage in going where she was going. So I made up my mind I wouldn't try for it. In that passage, Mark Twain puts words to the fear that I think many people have when it comes to life after death, that it will somehow be a disappointing step downward 
from what we experience in this world. But let me ask this. Why do we think we would understand better than our creator what would make for a meaningful existence? Consider this. God created us for relationship with himself and with each other, and that has been a significant and meaningful part of our years here on earth. And yet our interactions are too often hindered by our inability to love others as we desire and as they deserve. And then add into that mix insecurities, misunderstandings, competing agendas, hurt, and conflict. There will be none of this on the other side of death, and we will experience relationship in all the best ways. We will not be bored. And finally, God will reign. Now, why is this so important? Well, consider what the world that we have been entrusted with looks like today. Our hearts ache at the violence and the hatred and the injustice and the pain and the poverty and the division and the indifference to so much of it. Imagine how much better life beyond death will be with God in charge rather than us. The love and the unity and the peace that will undergird life and all that we experience that will take place under his reign. You know, one of my roles here at First Pres is to walk alongside those who are approaching death as well as their families. And I cannot imagine processing this hard experience without the comfort, without the hope that death does not have the last word. And so I hope you'll indulge me this morning as I close by asking, have you experienced new birth in Jesus Christ? Do you have a living hope of the inheritance he has for you, even on the other side of death? I hope you do, because this hope provides comfort and meaning in the difficult but inevitable moments when death does occur. And with this hope, We can boldly affirm the statements in both the Old and the New Testaments. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Yes, death does bring a sting. But because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, it won't. Be a permanent one. Let's close in prayer. Oh, holy God, thank you that you would love us so much to redeem our lives, to redeem our future, that we have a living hope, 
that there is an inheritance for us some point ahead. And Lord, though we may not think much about death, though we may not talk much about it, that we can lean into this hope to know that you have taken care of us and that we can be in your arms not only now but forevermore. Lord God, thank you for this inheritance, for the incredible lengths you went to to make it possible for us. Help us as your kingdom people now and in the days to follow this side of death to faithfully live into this living hope that we have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.